Welcome to the Media Insider, the podcast which gives you the secrets on how to get into the media. Every episode, I interview a commissioning editor or producer about exactly what stories and interviews they commission for their pages or programme and how you can pitch to them. I'm your host, Helen Croydon. I'm an author, a former journalist, and now I run a small PR practice called ThoughtLeadershipPR.com, helping business leaders, academics, entrepreneurs, and public figures become better known as experts in their field. If you like this podcast, please tell your colleagues, share it on social media. That's how others find it. Thanks for listening to the next episode of The Media Insider. So I'm here with Lawrence Gosling. Now, Lawrence is group editor of the Bon Hill Group. That's a collection of B2B publications. Uh, they've got offices in New York, London, and Hong Kong. Before that, he was founding editor of Incisive Media, uh, and he started his journalism career in tabloids, writing about crime and celebrity. So quite a change to go from uh, crime and celebrity to B2B. Um, thanks for joining me, Lawrence. Pleasure. So as group editor, mm. are you in a commissioning role? Yeah, I mean, we're like uh, a lot of specialist uh, B2B publishers, uh, you know, limited resources. So, uh, you know, we've got websites in the SME sector, technology, diversity, uh, and, and all of those sites, and then broader sort of financial services, we haven't got big editorial teams. And as, um, as somebody who's the kind of longest standing journalist in the business, a lot of sort of PRs kind of ring me and say, we've got an idea. And I've, I always find it easier if I think it's a good idea to commission it myself and then share it with my colleagues. And they can, uh, they can sort of post it appropriately if they kind of think it works. So it's a, from my perspective, it's kind of a way of reducing the workload of some of my colleagues and actually keeping my hand in on the journalism yeah, side of things. Yeah, and making sure there's quality content as yeah. well. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to a little bit more about those pitches and how you mm. deal with those um, a little bit later. Um, but first, can you just talk us through which, which are the main uh, titles in your group? Okay, so in the SME sector, we've got... Two, two websites, smallbusiness.co.uk and growthbusiness.co.uk. They're essentially sister titles. So they're, um, for us, they sort of generate about sort of 300,000 unique users a month. And they kind of That's do what they good. say. Yeah, it's very, very good. I mean, the, the, we've only got two people on that site and they, their kind of output is, is extraordinarily effective. We have a specialist site in the diversity and inclusion sector, which is obviously very important nowadays. Uh, and that again focuses very much on the challenges for, for businesses, both here in the UK but also now more broadly. Um, we're leveraging off our team in, in the US as well on, on that as an area. Uh, we publish in the IT space, so we have Information Age, which is a 25 year old technology uh, title, was originally a magazine. Obviously, the last sort of three years it's been digital only. Again, that's um, it's kind of global in its spread, but we focus a lot on uh, the UK and the US. So really the kind of technology challenges for chief technology officers and equivalent titles. In the US, we own a title called uh, Investment News, which is for um, registered investment advisors, so the people who help us all with our kind of investment and pensions planning. And then we have a similar suite of titles in the UK and Asia who do pretty much the sort of same thing. So they are B2B, so the audience, they're all professionals. They're kind of looking for information that they can then relate back to their sort of um, clients. Wow, a lot of titles yeah. there. So would you say the biggest ones are small business and... Yeah, in UK terms, in terms of traffic, small business and growth business are. In terms of the size of the audience, commercially, the titles for financial advisors in the US and the UK are actually bigger, but they're, they're sort of better staffed. So from my perspective, I, I kind of 
spend my time where we have the least resources. So, you know, small business, growth business. And we have one legacy consumer title called What Investment, which is for private investors in the UK. And I edit that myself kind of for a couple of days a month. Yeah, actually, one of our clients got a book review in there quite recently, so that's how I know about it. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about growth, um, about small business. Are there any particular slots in there? Because, you know, I come from the pre-digital era where, you know, magazines all had like a page, Mm. a certain slot, and now it's digital, it's all changed. Do you still have that? Do you still have set formats that you commission to? Yeah, we do. I mean, again, for for us, small business and growth business, it's very much about answering Uh, the questions that anybody who runs a business has got. So we kind of look around issues, kind of legal and tax issues, for example, because if you're running your own business, as as you are, you know know the cost of an accountant or a a law firm to sort out something like GDPR can be incredibly expensive. So we'll have slots around those areas where we'll look to commission from genuinely what we would call experts in those spaces. So when the audience comes, they've kind of got the answer to a lot of basic questions current very popular topic in that space is the IR35 um, which again you know big issue that people will be aware of obviously you've got sort of BBC presenters but again it's a it's a contractor issue uh, across that kind of p- part of the, the sort of business sector so those sort of things are very very popular for us and then we we have a lot of we call it generically how-to content but if somebody comes to us and says We've got a client, we know somebody who would like to write about how to do something for a small or growing business. Um, yeah, we're always kind of very open to that kind of stuff. Yeah, the how-to stuff. What about opinion pieces, or would you class that in the same bracket? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. Um, opinion pieces, we do look for them. Um, I have to say, in my experience, there's not a lot of good stuff around. I think one of, one of the problems is a lot of companies confuse what they think is an opinion with actually what comes across as being quite a weak sales push for, for a product or a solution they're trying to offer. Things like the state of the economy, Brexit, politics, they kind of often come at us with, so it says, oh, we've got a client who's, who's got an opinion because there's a survey that says, you know, eight out of ten small businesses are depressed about Brexit. And then, of course, you read the opinion and it's just actually a repeat of that in five or six hundred words. It's not. There's no insight into the opinion. Yeah, yeah. The, this is. I, w- I really want to go into that as well. Actually, some of the pitfalls of um, non-journalist writing content. Um, so, uh, one other thing on mm. the on the, you know on the format thing. What about interviews? Do you do do you have slots for those? As we well? do. We do. And again. Um, one of the things that the, the editor on Small Business, uh, Tim Adler, has done incredibly well is go and find the right people to be interviewed, which I know kind of sounds obvious, but again, we spend a lot of our time as digital journalists these days kind of looking at what's going to drive traffic. And again, we get offered a lot of interviews with entrepreneurs. People assume anybody who's been on the Dragon's Den, for example, or um, The Apprentice make great interviews. Actually, by and large, a lot of them don't. So we've kind of tried and experimented. And what we've, what we've realised now is that um, we've become a lot more choosy about who we do and don't interview, but we do do interviews. And actually, when you get them right, and my colleague Tim's done a couple, actually, interestingly, with some of the dragons themselves. Oh. And he's got a very good one coming up with um, Deborah Meaden uh, early, early in uh, 2020. Those do drive traffic, not just because they're well-known, but actually because they've got genuine insight and people are looking for insight. People talk a lot about clickbait in digital journalism. In B2B world, clickbait doesn't exist. Oh, interesting. Okay. So what do you look... This is a very broad question, I know, but what are some of the things you look for 
when you commission both you know whether it's opinion how to news mm. story how do you know instantly what's going to be good and what's not you, what you see straight away is you know am i hearing something that uh, i haven't heard before uh, and importantly if i haven't heard it before is it going to be of genuine interest to the audience because we're in b2b um we're not nice nice to have websites no nobody come wakes up in the morning and thinks i must look at what small business are doing writing about this morning you know, in the way that they would wake up and, and say, what's on the BBC or what's on Sky? So they come to us because they've got, they've got issues they want solved. I mean, it's, it sounds very, very s simple, but we spend a lot of time kind of researching with the audience, either on the phone, surveys, or just kind of, again, like a lot of people through Google Analytics, looking at what they're searching for answers to. So when stuff comes into us, either in a press release or people are pitching, we already know, we have, a, we have a menu of things that we need the answers to because we know that's what our audience wants. Uh, and that's kind of, we're, we're putting the two things together as okay. much as anything. So how do you come up with that menu? Goodness me, uh, a lot of it is kind of, again, not surprisingly, uh, analyzing traffic, analyzing trends. And more importantly, we're looking for the kind of the long tail content. So, you know, right once, then we can refresh a couple of times, perhaps during the course of a year. And a lot of those are around issues. So going back to the IR35, although obviously we've seen there's been some news flow around it in the last few months. People are interested in the news flow because they want to sort of follow it but they then want the sort of solution. So once the news flow is finished, we've got to make sure we've got the evergreen content. That if somebody comes and says, you know, can, can I be an IT contractor and use an IR35 sort of contract, that they've got, we can deliver that answer for them. And that, it's that kind of stuff. That's really interesting. So you'll commission a lot of your content based on what has done well before mm. or based on what people are, are searching for, yeah. things like that. And again, I think one of the other things we're always trying to do, and, and there is no science to this, is try and intuitively kind of work out what might be popular sort of going forward. Mm. So again, we get, I get pitched a lot of ideas around sustainability. So people often ring up and say, oh, I'm representing uh, an entrepreneur in the sustainable sector doing X, Y, and Z. And of course, they assume that just because it's got the word sustainability, you know, an entrepreneur that suddenly we want to write about it. Of course, you don't because there are issues within sustainability that we know the audience is interested in. So things like how, how as a small business can I recycle effectively? You know, how can I reduce my kind of energy sort of wastage and use as a small business? All those kind of things that when you think about them, they're, they're not, you know, they're not that surprising. Um, mm -hmm. We're not really interested in somebody who's started another sustainable cosmetics business, you know, because yeah. there's loads of them. Yeah, you, know. you want the how, you want the how to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how is it put together on a B2B title in terms of the process? Do you have a meeting, a weekly meeting, or a daily meeting, like you know, and yeah. planning? And how's it how's it work? Okay, so we um, we we have a, a monthly editorial meeting across all all of our kind of UK websites. Because we've got technology, diversity, and, and business, there are issues, subjects that kind of intersect all three, three sites, four sites. So one of the things we're looking to do is we, we, we get our editors together and we just have that general um, kind of news meeting, brainstorming, what are you hearing, what are people you know, pitching at you? Uh, so somebody might say, oh, you know, uh, on the technology side, had some really interesting conversations with XYZ about something they're doing, somebody else will say actually that sounds like it's applicable to the small business sector as well can you you know can you just see if there is an angle so if we commission a piece on IR35 for the information age technology website we will almost certainly kind of adapt it 
to to to, um, uh, to the small business and growth business sectors. Uh, diversity is a very interesting issue. Uh, things like the gender uh, and ethnicity pay gap reporting, although they're for companies of 250 employees and above, you know, good practice now if you've got a small business you think it's going to grow is to get those kind of things in place. You know, we, we try and um, use content from Diversity Q around how smaller businesses can get their sort of house in order on that side of things. It's, it's trying to trying to join things up, and one of the reasons for that is it's a very it's a very good way of driving traffic if we can link pieces from one of our oh, sites and to the other. And use the link. Use, yeah. use the link. And when is that meeting? Is it a set time every month? It tends to be at the beginning of the month. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then do you have like a daily meeting where you react to any news stories and think, okay, well, I want to, we want to get an opinion piece on this? We tend not to, actually, because, again, our kind of view is very much on a lot of the news flow. Um, our audiences will go to other sites. You know, they'll go to bigger mainstream news sites. You know, the morning after the general election, um, we're inundated with responses to, you know, what, what are the sort of new conservative government will mean to the economy to small business and it just gets lost you know it will get lost in the the, the broader if anybody's interested in that you know they'll have turned on the BBC or Sky. Okay so tell me a little bit about the what sort of pictures you get you told me that you get a phenomenal amount every morning. Yeah I mean literally um, you know 25 to 30 pitches first thing in the morning on Officers contributed articles, opinion pieces, you know, the, the much overused word exclusive. It's always exclusive to us. Uh, and of course, one of the very basic things we do that a lot of people do is if somebody sends something in, says ex- it could be potentially exclusive to us, we'll just put the plagiarism software on there and see, see if it's been run anywhere else. And of course, probably 90% of the time, the content that we're being offered has appeared somewhere else. Oh, wow. Often on the, the company's own website. So, of course, there's a sort of slightly liberal use of the word exclusive to us. So, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, you're getting a lot more pictures now of people offering to write their own stuff, which is what yeah. I call thought leadership content. Do you think that is just, you know, savvy PRs jumping on the fact that publications don't have as much budget to pay freelancers anymore, therefore they're looking mm. for experts to write things? Yeah, I, I, without a doubt. I think, actually, I think a lot of the pressure comes from, from the clients of the PRs who are, you know, particularly in, in, in business to business, a lot of what the, the companies have got to talk about are, you know, not very exciting solutions to practical problems, particularly in IT. You know, the, the number of sort of software applications there are out there you know, you, it's hard to create any sort of genuine kind of news or interest value in around, you know, a piece of you know, enterprise software. So, of course, we will get, you know, somebody ringing up going, you know, my client, you know, has got a really interesting piece of research or wants to write an opinion on, you know, the challenges to small business of, you know, um, implementing a sort of, um, you know, a software solution for X, Y, Z. And you, you go, okay, potentially sounds quite interesting. And, of course, what you get is something that essentially is just talking about one single product that mm. that particular company has got. I actually, you know, have a great deal of sympathy with sort of PRs because they're put in this invidious position. The client says, "I want more coverage for my software solution or whatever it is." Uh, I'm going to write a few hundred words, you know, see if we can get it placed. And of course, the PR does his or her best to get it sort of placed. And there, you know, there are lots of publishers like ourselves who've got, you know vastly reduced um, resources compared to say five years ago so there's potentially there's an inclination to take it 
but actually, you know, when you look at it and you analyse the traffic it gets, it gets no traffic. So in, in many ways, it's what I would refer to as kind of electronic fish and chip paper. And I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies do not, underst- they do not understand the needs of our readers. They, they think about themselves first. It's quite a sort of selfish kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always say it, it's actually a balance between your clients' needs and our readers' needs. And you were telling me before that PRs now seem to have a lot of content creation teams, mm. so they're creating content themselves on behalf of clients and then pitching to you. What's your view on that? Well, the good stuff is is, is really good, um, you know, and when you kind of meet the person behind the piece, sometimes, you know, they're sort of former experienced sort of journalists, um, and other times they're just actually sort of people who are very uh, SEO sort of savvy, and have, and have actually done the work to to offer you a piece that you know they, they know will work for your, you know for our particular sites. The move has been towards more content creation off the back of content marketing, um, but there's a sort of um, there's a kind of blurring of what's content marketing and what what is you know good quality content um, that kind of independently can be published yeah. by us. Um, and how, when you do accept a piece, if you commission a piece from someone, mm. how much do you have to edit it and how much are they willing for it to be edited well the 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 best prs will ring up and say got an idea for an article based on our client and then we'll have a dialogue and we'll probably write a sort of short synopsis that isn't just you know word count and and deadline but is is kind of essentially the kind of angle we're after and why and then ask them to kind of write write to that brief and then obviously when it comes in and actually i was looking at a piece this morning which bears no relation to to what i commissioned we'll go back and have to say look it, it is actually unpublishable in this format because actually your client has not followed sort of the brief so you know we can either spike it and, and not publish it or do you want to go back and, and try and the good the good ones actually will ring up and say look what my client has sent me is not quite what you asked for and again there's a sort of a, there's a little bit of kind of arbitrage yeah. between yeah. because we have to be realistic sometimes. Yeah, no, that's funny because so now because I'm a journalist turned PR, and I think that is my uh, the thing that I do differently is I will edit it on behalf of the client before I send it to the editor, yeah. and I don't tell the client <laughs> because I know I know what is a marketing thing. Whereas I suppose most PRs haven't had that media training, so no. they, they're just the middleman; they just pass on an article. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, what are some of the other? Um, no nos in terms of people pitching you, whether it's a you know business owner themselves or whether it's a, a PR. What of the what are some of the? Um... Oh God, the the, the kind of no nos. Um, well, the no nos are the one of the obvious ones that's always gone on is people just you know ringing at the wrong time of day. You know, increasingly journalists don't pick up the phone. You know, it's either a reader wanting free advice or somebody sort of pitching you something you don't. So. I think that you know that that is always a problem, which is why I think you know a, a kind of well-directed email is is a very very effective way of kind of getting through to to anybody editorially these these days. What time of day is best to pitch on it? I would react. Yeah, I would say sort of somewhere between about sort of ten and eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. So we'll have kind of got in, settled in, you know, had a coffee, etc. Kind of looked at what we've kind of got planned for the day, and then. You start beginning sort of work on that, and we we don't we don't tend to have 
sort of set um, set deadlines that we have to have stuff out. You know, because we're not in that cycle of needing to compete on sort of news flow. Yeah. So it's more about for us quality um, in all our sites. We'd rather have one or two very well written, effective pieces that go up a day as opposed to having you know ten you know, sort of 200 word sort of pieces. Uh, on, the, on the no-nos, I mean, the thing that most frustratingly happens is somebody sends you a press release on, on, on Monday and you don't respond to it. Uh, and then, they, then they, 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 they come back to you on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday going, just in case you haven't sort of seen my sort of press release, you know, um, uh, thought I'd just, you know, phrase it, uh, sort of put it in front of you again. And you, you, you feel like saying, look, it's kind of obvious by now why why we haven't and why anybody else hasn't because there is just no sort of relevance to it yeah you know yeah. it's that kind of stuff and actually if i personally if i see something say on a monday that i think is vaguely interesting and somebody said would you know would you like to talk to the client i'll probably email back going just give me a nudge later on in the week because these things are not they're not time sensitive a lot of the time for, for us in sort of b2b journalism yeah yeah and do you ever take regular pieces new would you ever commission someone to write say a regular column yes audiences like um, they like regularity whether it's digital or in print so one of one of the things we like to do is is find uh, either one or two individuals or companies or both who can be regular contributors because we can sort of take the audience sort of with us so it's either a series of articles on on a specific issue or actually somebody who's got some genuine insight and again, one of the most overused expressions nowadays is thought leadership. You know, um, I mean, I, again, it's one of those things I'm bombarded with it on a daily basis. And um, people want to think of themselves as thought leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so they pitch an article and say, I have a thought leadership piece. Is that the context? Yeah, and of course, it's not a piece of thought leadership. I mean, my simple opinion of thought leadership is something that you've not heard before that tells you something uh, kind of different about an important subject you know so go back to sustainability when people go oh, I've got a piece of thought leadership and it starts with sustainability is a really important subject you go really you know it's been an important subject actually for 30 years it's those kind of things and then people all they do is just kind of recount you know tried yeah. and tested they chuck in a couple of statistics from you know in the case of sustainability the UN and you sort of go it's kind of not thought leadership. It's a kind of repackaging, and at the bottom, it's reportage. It is reportage. Yeah, it's not. You know, it's neither an opinion or insight. Genuine experts who are able to tell you something about a way a sector's going. Blockchain last year, we were overwhelmed with blockchain sort of comments. The number of people that you can find can actually tell you something genuinely useful and insightful about blockchain is very very small. And a lot of the blockchain was people who are actually using it in a certain kind of area they actually couldn't tell you anything about blockchain other than the fact that their company was using it in a you know in a certain sector and what would you you know a lot of people might pitch just an ad hoc comment that I might be an expert in blockchain yeah if you're ever covering blockchain I'm available to comment do you use those or do you file those away are they useful? Um, it's interesting it's always easier to either have spoken to the person or you know the PR on their behalf to say XYZ's got some interesting thoughts about blockchain and just relate some of them then you will mentally file them away or um, we again we we tend to share contacts. Uh, Part of our challenge is to decide or try and figure out 
who actually is genuinely an expert, have got some insight, or who is just wanting wants to promote themselves or their company. Yeah. Age old challenge. <laughs> yeah. And just to finish off, then could you think of any examples where uh, you know a good or an interesting story has emerged, say with a, with a good relationship with a with a PR? Yeah, actually, uh, most interestingly, in in the in the space of crowdfunding and sustainability, um, I had a conversation just recently with a PR who sort of rang up and had a conversation, and actually, um, then uh, she was able to sort of pitch three or four stories on behalf of three or four different clients of hers um, around technology, sustainable investing, and it all come from one 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 thing and actually there was just a lot more in it than I'd kind of realised from sort of and we just had a we had a conversation and in fact some of the issues that we covered were very much what you and I are talking about now. She was saying, you know, uh, uh, you know, do you do you like comment pieces? What sort of person are you looking for on the technology and sustainability? Do, are they two subjects that you put together right. in the same article? So from her perspective, you know, we will be doing stuff probably with four or five of her clients. Yeah, yeah, and it was asking the right questions. <laughs> yeah, and again, it was very much, you know, this particular PR, she knows her clients, she's perhaps more experienced. There are a lot of younger sort of PRs who have no great experience of journalism or editorial, um, and they're just, they're crashing through the phone call, so it's how many media outlets can they talk to? Yeah, Rather yeah. than having a conversation with one or two and then, and you know, then getting, yeah, getting, yeah. hopefully getting coverage. Lawrence Gosling, thanks so much for sharing your insights. Thanks for listening to the Media Insider. Please share this podcast or rate it on your podcast app. That's how others find it. If you're keen to get into the media or get your message and expertise more widely known, then visit thoughtleadershippr.com and see how I could help. Or find me on Twitter. Just search Helen Croydon. Good luck with your pitching. <laughs>